Well, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth. We're going to be in the book of Ruth this morning, and then we are going to begin the book of Acts, Lord willing, next week. And uh, we're grateful, of course, as we've already said, for the Lord's blessing of weather. We know that the uh, the way God blesses with weather may change in, uh, in coming weeks. I want to encourage you to, to feel the freedom to... As it gets hot, feel the freedom to, to wear shorts if you need to uh, or, or want to or whatever. And so just this is a, a time where we're a little bit more relaxed and look forward to, to God's continued uh, provision of allowing us to get together to, to meet. We've been in Joshua and Judges, and now we are looking at the book of Ruth in one Sunday. We've, we talked about the book of Ruth several years ago, but wanted to kind of talk about it one more time this morning to kind of help us see how it's going to, to close up the series that we were looking at. And I want to read from Ruth chapter 2 in our time of, of reading together this morning. In Ruth chapter 1, remember a woman named Naomi has lost her husband and her sons, and now she has her two daughter-in-laws, and one of her daughter-in-laws remains in Moab, and her daughter Ruth returns to her hometown of Bethlehem with her. And so that brings us to Ruth chapter 2. And if, if you're able, feel free to go ahead and stand with me as we read God's word together. But if you're not able to, that's, that's okay as well. Ruth chapter 2, and I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field. And glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is a young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a, a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. You may be seated. May God encourage us through his word this morning. And let's, let's pray. Father, we do ask for your continued kindness to us today. 
we recognize that, that our ability to, to know you is, is your, your grace. You've revealed yourself in your word. And we would pray today that you would allow us to, to pursue our relationship with you with, with a full heart, with a, a desire to, to know you, our, our king, and that as we come to you, you would change us, you would transform us, you would conform us to the image of, of your son, Jesus, in whom we have found our refuge and hope. We pray this in his name. Amen. There are a lot of uh, tumultuous things going on in our world right now, obviously, as we think about what's been going on the last week and in few weeks and, and so forth. And I think it's important, of course, to, to think biblically about what's taking place in our world and to rightly understand what's what's going on. And as uh, several people have, have asked me, you know, is, is Bethany going to have a, a statement on what's taking place or there's going to be kind of a, a message that we give to kind of deal with, with what we think about what's, what's going on? And, and, the, and the answer is yes and no. In, in one sense, the answer is no. That we're not going to be able to come up with a concise statement that says, okay, here's a, here's a paragraph that deals with all the things that are going on in the, in the world right now. That, that doesn't seem very, very feasible right now. But, but in terms of are we going to address the things that our, our world is struggling with right now and, and that we're struggling with, and the answer is, is yes. In fact, this morning we're going to talk about something related just to some of the things that I think our, our world is struggling with. God's word is, is always, by his grace, relevant. And, and in the coming weeks, as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to continue to talk about some things that, that, are, that are dealing with some of the, for example, racial tensions that exist in our world right now and examining our own hearts and, and thinking through those things. So, so we are, as a church, going to be, be talking about some of the things that our world is struggling with by God's providential grace. We're going to be talking about some of those things in the coming weeks. But let, let me just say a couple things. Because people are asking, I think it's important to, to say some things, and there are some evangelical voices that are saying some, some really good things right now, and so I don't, I don't think I need to say everything anyway, but, but just a couple thoughts and continue here. One, I, th I think it's an important time for us to acknowledge that, that racism and the sins related to racism are, are sinful, right? Prejudicial treatment, partiality, pride ethnocentrism, racism, all those things are, are, are sinful, and, and all those, those sins are, are not absent from my heart. And you might say, well, this specific example of, of racism or this specific example of partiality I don't struggle with, and yet all of us, I think, would say, my heart struggles with some of these related sins, and so it's, it's a helpful time as our, as our society is in turmoil. It's a helpful time for us to step back and say, you know, these, these sins that I'm seeing out there in the world are not absent from, from my own experience. I think it's also just an important and helpful time for us to, to be committed as, as a church, pursue in, in our individual lives, to pursue biblical justice and, and peace. We, we desire peace and we desire for, for, for justice to exist and we, we want to pursue those things. I think it's also right now, for, for me at least, and maybe this isn't for everyone, but, but for me right now, it's, it's, it's a very helpful time just to, to listen somewhat, right? Whenever there are a lot of voices speaking and whenever people are, are hurting, whenever people are upset, sometimes one of the most helpful things we can do is just step back and, and listen. And right now, I'm, I'm particularly trying to listen to the, the voices of my, my black evangelical uh, brothers and, and sisters and just say, okay, 
help me understand some of the things that, that you're thinking about this, voices that I trust, and, and maybe I don't agree on, on every nuance or whatever right now. It's a, it's a helpful time for me personally just to step back and, and listen and try to understand what some of the issues are. And then finally, just to be, to be praying, to be praying for peace and safety for people in our society, the, the safety of, of people in the black community, the safety of people in our police departments. And think about our brother Saul, who this past week expressed a thankfulness for our church for praying for him. We, we want him and, and his fellow officers, uh, fellow workers to be safe. We want uh, the, the wisdom for people in our, our civic leaders. We want to pray for good voices to be heard and for progress to be made. Those are some of the things we're thinking through. Now, this morning... As we look at the book of Ruth, we're dealing with a related issue. We're going to be talking about how to care for those who are hurting as we look at an overview of the book of Ruth. And it's been good for me to have a few weeks off, to have a couple weeks to, to be able to step back and, and not say a whole lot. Sometimes I, I think it's helpful uh, for me not to speak for, for a couple reasons. First of all, um, Sometimes I can be tempted to talk about things that people really don't care my opinion on, right? People don't need to hear their pastor spout off his latest political thought, right, all the time. I mean, if you ask me, I have some opinions, but you don't need to hear that oftentimes. Secondly, you know, I, I'm a person who requires a lot of time for, for processing and, and thinking through things. And it's not helpful for me to talk quickly. I think there's a constant danger. Another thing, there's a constant danger of people hearing and responding to something I didn't mean to say. And several times this past week, for example, someone would say something on one end of the spectrum. I think, oh, that, what a great statement. That's going to really help. Kind of People are going to respond well to that. And then someone on the other end of the spectrum would hear what that person had said and say, no, 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 you, you know, this, this was offensive for this reason. Or the person on the spectrum would say, what you said was offensive for that reason. And I think, man, I would have never seen that. It's a good thing I didn't retweet that or like that or whatever. The forums in which I would often share right now are not helpful for fruitful dialogue. You know, uh, 120 characters is not a helpful way to share anything of, of depth. But here's, here's, what I'm, here, here's my point. As we come to the book of Ruth, we're able to open it up. We're able to, to not deal with every issue facing our world right now, but, but to focus on, on this issue, this issue of how to provide hope the hope of, of loving kindness, of hesed for those who are hurting. And, and my hope as we walk away this morning is that every believer here would walk with say, saying, okay, I agree that this is the word of the Lord and whatever it says is, is what I need to do. And also would say, okay, there are some areas where my thinking or actions have, have not been right. And by the grace of God, I need to change. The, the main thing that I want us to see as we go through the book of Ruth is that God reveals his gracious love through the extravagant kindness of his people. That, that's the main thing I want us to grasp. That one of the ways that God displays his gracious love is through the extravagant kindness, the, the hesed. Remember we talked about that some weeks ago as we went through Jeremiah 31. God displays his extravagant kindness, his, his love, through the extravagant kindness and love of his people. You and I, as we are kind and and loving towards others, proclaim our hope in Jesus Christ and allow others to know him as well. So real quickly, we're going to kind of try to go through the book of Ruth. We're going to talk about the need for Hesed, for God's faithful, kind love in chapter 1, the, the provision of Hesed, the provision of God's extravagant kindness in chapter 2 of Ruth. And we're talking about the protection 
of God's Hesed and the praise of Hesed as we look at chapters 3 and 4. And we're not going to obviously spend as much time in each chapter, but let's first of all look at chapter 1 and see the need for Hesed, the need that people have for God's extravagant kindness. How does the story of Ruth begin? It begins with a man. This man's name is Elimelech. He lives in Bethlehem, and there is a, a time of famine. So he takes his family, his wife, Naomi, and his two sons, Malon and Chilion, and he leaves Bethlehem, and he goes to the land of Moab, where he tries to provide for them there. And then things go poorly. He dies. His two sons take Moabite wives, and then the, the sons die. And now Naomi has left Bethlehem, the land that she knows, and now is the, in the land of Moab with people that she does not have relationship with, and she has these two daughter-in-laws. Now, remember what time the book of Ruth occurs it's in the time of Judges. Now, we've just finished a series in the book of Judges. Would you call Judges a, a good time or a bad time, right? It's, it's a bad time in the nation of Israel's history. People are, are not walking in obedience to God. And if you're, if you're a reader in the first, uh, the, the first audience of the book of Ruth, you're going to understand, okay, this, this is not a good story. You have this, this man who's living in a bad time, and he makes a bad decision. He, he's living with people who are not in covenant obedience to God, and he leaves the, the covenant land that God has given them and goes to Moab, which he should not have done. His sons marry Moabite women's, women, which they should not have done. And, and now, now things have gone worse, and of course they've gone worse because this person the reader would say, has not been walking in obedience to God. Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem because she hears that there's, there's food there, and her daughter-in-laws begin to go with her. There's a series of three speeches, and Orpah, her daughter-in-law Orpah, decides to remain with her family, but Ruth says, I'm coming with you. She says in verse 16, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. She is saying, look, I'm, I'm committing to you and, and your, your God, Yahweh. I'm going to, to be part of your people. And so Ruth and Naomi return to Bethlehem. And as they return to Bethlehem, she tells the people, look, don't call me Naomi anymore. Don't call, don't call me blessed. Uh, call me more. I'm, I'm bitter. Now, I want you to imagine that you are a resident of Bethlehem and you see Naomi and Ruth arrive back in town. What thoughts go through your mind as you see Naomi and, and you see her in her need? Perhaps one thought you might have is, look, she's, she's not my responsibility. I mean, honestly, she's kind of brought this on herself. She should have stayed, if she had stayed in Bethlehem, she'd be fine right now. But instead, Elimelech decides to abandon the city. He leaves and goes to Moab. She's not my responsibility. I, I, if she had made better decisions, she would not be in this predicament. 
oftentimes that's our hard attitude towards people who are in need, right? Look, they're in need, sure, but man, they made some bad decisions. <laughs> this uh, this past week, we were watching America's Got Talent with uh, Whitney. I were watching it with with our, our daughter, and there was a a contestant who came on, and he was talking about his his act, and he said, you know, I was I was a a person who had just applied and been accepted in a medical school. I was a week away from medical school, and I, I dropped out to pursue my dream of a career in comedy. And then he said, and I've been spending, you know, weeks living in my car, on the streets, things like that. I got to tell you, my, my heart attitude did not feel a lot of sympathy for him, Right. Of course you're living. What in the world are you thinking? A career in comedy. If he wins America's Got Talent, I'm going to feel kind of even more foolish, right? But listen, so often our response when we hear about a person in need is, look, that person has brought it on themselves. What what, what they're experiencing right now is a consequence of bad decisions. And so I, I don't have an obligation to feel compassion and empathy for that person. Or perhaps you're a villager in the town of Bethlehem and you see Ruth arrive. And what's your heart attitude toward Ruth? Look, she's, she's not my problem. She's not one of me. She is a foreigner. She shouldn't be coming to our fields in a time of uh, just coming out of famine to take sheaves from our people and our land who need it more. She should just stay home. Now, there may be some truth to, to our statements. It's rare to find a person in need who doesn't have some culpability for the situation in which they find themselves in. The issue is, what is my heart response to the fact that they are in need right now? And in fact, we can present that another way. What do I want God's response to my need to be? Do I want God to say, look, that per Daniel has brought this on himself. I don't have an obligation to care for him. Or do I want God to say, look, here is an opportunity for me to help this person find shelter under my wing. And as I look at people in need, that should be my response as well. Here is an opportunity for hesed, for kindness, for extravagant love. An opportunity for me to help a person find shelter under the wing of the Almighty. I believe this is the heartbeat of our church. I, I believe this is what our church desires. I, I don't think that if there are any people here who were presented with a, a need of another person, I don't think there are many people here who would, no matter what that person had, had done in the past, I don't think there are many people who would act to meet that need. But perhaps many of us would struggle with a hard attitude toward people in need. One thing I want us to see as we look at Ruth and Naomi here in chapter 1, People need a love that they don't deserve. People need extravagant love that they don't deserve. We desperately did, and others do as well. So here's chapter 2. In chapter 2, we see the provision of Hesed. We see the provision of God's extravagant love. Throughout history, we've kind of struggled with the idea of how, how do I give to a person in need? There was a Jewish rabbi in the 12th century who kind of came up with these different levels of, of compassion and kindness. He said, you know, that the top level of charity is to, to give to a person, or maybe the lowest level of charity is to give to a person and, and, and do it very begrudgingly. And the, the next level of charity is to give to a person and 
you, you give happily but not enough. And then another level is you, you give, but you let them know that you're giving. And another level is you, you, you give anonymously, but you still know. And then the highest level is for you to, to care for their needs in such a way that they don't even know that their needs have been cared for by another person. Now, we've all struggled with, okay, how, how do I care for others? And here in Ruth 2, uh, we see how Boaz cares for Ruth and Naomi. Naomi and Ruth, we begin in chapter 2, are in need. And so Naomi finds out Ruth's worth as, as Ruth says that she's going to, to go and, and glean in the fields. She's going to go and try to, to gather some, some grain. And uh, the chapter also begins by talking about a man named Boaz and says that Boaz is a, a worthy man. In other words, Boaz is not a person who has acquired his wealth through fraudulent means. Boaz is a person who has, has, has acted worthily towards others. Boaz is the exact opposite in terms of his provisions as Naomi and, and Ruth. So Ruth goes to the field in verses 3 through 17. She goes to Boaz's field. Boaz shows up, and we see that he's a, a good man from the first words out of his mouth, the words of blessing. His workers bless him as well. And then he interacts with Ruth as he sees her. And, and notice what he says to her. Essentially what he says to her is, is you were right to, to leave your gods of Moab and to come and find shelter under Yahweh, under God Almighty, the Lord. Boaz recognizes, this is very important, Boaz recognizes that the way in which he responds to Ruth to care for her is going to be a, a picture of Yahweh's care for her as well. There's, there's theological implications of Boaz's generosity. He, he says to her, as, as he's talking to her, he says, The Lord repay you, Yahweh repay you for what you've done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. In other words, Boaz re recognized that he is a representative of Yahweh, and as he cares for her, he's providing for her as God would provide. Now, there are so many times as we go through the Bible that we see a connection between Hesed, steadfast love, and, and the shelter of God. Psalm 17, wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Psalm 36, verse 7, how precious is your steadfast love, O God, that children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delight. Psalm 57, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge in the shadows of your wings. I will take refuge till the storms of destructions pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame on him who tramples me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. God's provision and care, the, the shelter of his wings, scripture connects with his hesed, with his steadfast love and his kindness. And God's people, as they practice gracious, extravagant love of, that manifests itself in provision for others, proclaim the shelter that people can find in God through his son, Jesus Christ, as well. 
the scene closes, the chapter closes with Naomi and Ruth talking about what's happened. And, and Naomi reveals that Boaz is a redeemer. He's a, he's a kinsman redeemer, a person who has the ability to, to provide, to stand up for the, the legal and the physical needs of a family member. They, they can look to him for redemption. But the word comes also from a, the, a family member who had the ability to buy back a, another family member who'd been put into a position of slavery. Boaz is a picture here of Christ. And he's providing that picture in a, in a beautiful way. Now, let me, let me say something that may get me in a little trouble this morning. Probably not. Maybe a little. You know, our, our culture right now is using the word privilege a lot, right? about white privilege or the privilege of wealth or check your privilege. And, and honestly, I, I, don't, uh, I don't pretend to understand all the ways that the word is used. And there are definitely some applications of that word privilege that are being used in, a, in an unbiblical way right now. But it, it's a shame that it's been used foolishly by some people because the word actually can be used to describe a biblical category of people. In Scripture, we see a, a category of people who have access to resources that others do not. So in Scripture, we see groups of people who are marginalized, those who don't have access to, to physical and, and, and other resources, the, the power structures of the day. We see them marginalized. But we also find a group of people who have access to those things. And sometimes we find a group of people who have access to the, the, the power and the privilege and, and all the access of, of, of legal resources and material resources. And we see that group unconcerned with the needs of of others. Ruth and Naomi can't provide for themselves. They need someone to help them acquire food, someone to help them navigate the legal system. And that, that if you want to use this word, that privileged person, that person with access to these things is the redeemer. He's the one who can point them to Hesed, the extravagant love and kindness of God. He can take his resources, these physical things that he has access to, and he can use them for eternal means to glorify God. And the main thing I want us to see here regarding the provision of Hesed is that God's people who have access to things provide for people in a way that goes above and beyond the cultural norms because they want people to see God's there are many people in Bethlehem who turn a blind eye to Ruth and Naomi, and no one in their culture thinks that what they've done is wrong. Boaz practices Hesed, extravagant kindness, because he's a worthy man who desires to see God glorified. What I would say to each of us, and, and access to resources is a very vague category, but here, here's what I say that, would say that I think is biblical. Wherever you are in life, whatever condition you find yourself in life, use the resources and advantages you have to help others who are in need, to speak up for them and, and to provide for them, to provide safety and shelter under God's wings. And, and you're going to have different abilities in different circumstances. You're going to, to find yourself in a, in a situation in which you can speak up for a, a, a person who doesn't have the ability to speak up for themselves. You're going to have the ability to provide resources for someone who doesn't have the abilities that you have. As believers, we don't say, look, you're not my problem. We step up and we're proactive. Here's a couple things of applications here. Number one, we need to embrace our responsibility to care for those who are in need. Embrace it. It's not a sin to have resources. It's not a sin to be wealthy. What is sinful is to fail to see our responsibility to be the one 
who provides to, for others to point them to the Redeemer. We need to, number two, be aware of the physical needs of others. It's disingenuous for, say, look, I don't, for us to say, look, I don't know of any needs. We need to be lavish in our care and be willing to step forward. We need to protect the dignity of those who are in need, as Boaz does, to, to, to care for them, to, to, to treat them as equals, to be aware of the dangers they face. Boaz is aware that Ruth finds herself in a, in a dangerous world. You know, Naomi talks about her, the potential of Ruth being assaulted. Boaz talks about the safety that she needs to find. Boaz is aware. We need to be aware as well. We need, and then finally, we need to point people to the Redeemer as we care for people. We are proclaiming theological truths about God's Redeemer as we enter into others' worlds. In Judges, we saw the need for a king. In Ruth, we, we, we see a, a picture of this king who provides. Zechariah in Luke 168 would say, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Titus 2.14 talks about how Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works in chapter three of ruth in chapter three we see a movement from the physical needs to to long-term care ruth comes to boaz to ask for his permanent provision and in him uh, she finds that and then in chapter four we see that Boaz again goes beyond what is required culturally. The, the other person who had the opportunity to care for Ruth and Naomi backs out due to, to selfishness, n- not shamed publicly, and yet Boaz steps forward. And then we find the praises of people in response in chapter 4 of Ruth. We see, you can turn there if, if you desire, we, we see various people seeing the provision of, of God. And then... It says that the, the women of Naomi in verse 14 of chapter 4 say, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. And, and, then, and then it says that the women of the neighborhood gave him a name. This is verse 17. A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now, these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Amenadab. Amenadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. What, what do we see here as Ruth begins and ends? In the beginning of, of Ruth, we see that this is in the time of the days of the judges. This is a dark, terrible time. But by the end of the book of Ruth, what do we see? That God has used the extravagant kindness of, of his people, of Boaz, to, to bridge the gap between the time of the judges, of the darkest time in Israel's history, to, to the time of the monarchy, to, to the time of David, to the picture of our king. In Judges, we see the need for a king. And now as we come to the book of Ruth, we, we find this picture of a king. And this picture of a king is a picture of one through extravagant kindness provides for people, allows them to come into access to the resources of the Father. And we know that in our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, through faith in him, we have the ability to have all the access to the resources of God himself, everything we need for life and godliness. In our culture, we are in a world that is on fire. And yet, through God's kindness, you and I have access to resources that we can use not for the celebration of our own lives, not just for the celebration of our own possessions, 
but we can use the things that God has given us if we have the right heart attitude, recognizing the grace that we've received and can meet the physical, emotional, the spiritual needs of others. Brothers and sisters, let's let that be our heart right now. As, as the world is worried about injustice done to it, as people on all ends of the spectrum are worried about how others are, are treating them or perceiving them, let, let's let each of us in the condition we find ourselves be grateful for the, the grace that God has given us and be people of grace to others, practicing extravagant kindness in relationships and with the provision of the things that God has given us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have through faith in him. We pray that, that by your grace, we would continue to live and to, to stand and to uh, be the, the, the people you've called us to be. We pray that you would give us opportunities right now to, to show your extravagant kindness to us as we care for the needs of others. Help us not to be blind uh, to those needs, but to be extravagant in our love. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.